You know, you, you get, and our church is big, and I love it, and we have some great stuff happening, but it's just every once in a while I get to go other places, and I'm reminded, man, God has a great kingdom, and it's all about his kingdom. Not about First Baptist Kingdom, not about this kingdom, that kingdom. It's his kingdom. And we just get to be a part of it. And so, man, I'm honored to meet my brothers that I haven't met. And some of you I know. Some of you are uh, from First Baptist. And, uh, and I've got some guys with me this morning that uh, hang out. If you ever see us, um, if you ever watch it on the broadcast or on the stream, you'll see Laddie Calloway. Laddie, stand up. Laddie's been a servant for me and right by me for a few years. God just spoke into my heart that Laddie needed to be. Uh, actually, we were on a trip to, to Las Vegas to speak at a conference. I wanted him to go with me. We had some mutual friends out there. And, and on the way out, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, you need Laddie in your life. You need to ask him to come alongside you. And... So I said, Lord, I, I, yeah, I would be great, and I'll pour into him, and I'll show him and teach him everything I can. And <laughs> the Lord said, no, you need to learn from him. And I'm telling you, Laddie is one of the greatest servants. I mean, wherever you see him, he'll be serving, and he'll be making a difference. Grew up on the streets in Pine Hills, and um, up, but for the grace of God, he should be in jail today. But God spared him, God saved him, and God is using him for his glory. And uh, it's an honor to have Laddie with me. And I'm, Laddie's part of some guys that I meet with every week. Uh, we, we meet on Wednesdays, we we'll meet on Fridays, and it's a smaller group, obviously. And then uh, I've got a guy that has stepped into my life because of my love for law enforcement. I've had uh, the chance to be chaplain uh, at a couple of departments along the way in my journey. And um, God has just given us great favor with... Uh, both Orange County and OPD, and Sean Hayden, who uh, served OPD for how many years, Sean? 29, 29 years, and uh, was a SWAT, part of the SWAT team, was one of the snipers, and he, um, he is an incredible friend and like a brother to me and has been a part of our security team, and we've just gotten very, very close, and it's good to see uh, Sean showing up, I guess. He wasn't sure about you guys, so he wanted to come do security today. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You got a lot of cops in the room. You don't. But uh, you know, I love I love those guys. I love what they do and those ladies that put their life on the line for us. And um, so I'm honored, as well as those who serve this country, to uh, protect our freedoms. So, guys, I I, I just let me just tell you what I, I think God is doing. I really think God is moving in our, in our area. And I don't know where you go to church or where you're connected, but, but number one, I hope you are somewhere. Because I'm going to tell you something, God is moving through his church. He's moving through the local church. Now, the local church is just the manifestation of the body of Christ. Okay? <laughs> Somebody asked me, well, how, many have come, how come there's so many churches? I said, are they all God's? I said, yep. God's got a lot of sheep. He just keeps them in different pens. I mean, it's nothing, no problem there. But I think the, the thing that I am seeing is that there's just a move of God. And, and something's happening. So for me, I, I lived in northeast Louisiana. Um, I lived, I was good friends with Duck Dynasty. I hunted with those guys. And if you know them, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know them, I had not got time to tell you about those guys. <laughs> but 
That I, I mean, I was happy as could be. Had family around us. My my wife is from a doctor's family, um, and her father and her grandfather and her great grandfather were all physicians. Her uncle's a surgeon. I mean, she's got medicine all in her family, and I mean, we had everything. And so I get a call from a 407 area code, and I, I told my wife, I said, I, I'm not sure who that is, but I don't answer it. Because I didn't know where 407 was. Where is 407? And I figured they'd be selling siding or something, you know. I didn't need any. And finally answered it. And it was John Bozard. Some of you know John with Orlando Health, the foundation. And uh, he said, David, we've been, we've been coming to your church, uh, and we really believe, God, you're the guy we need to talk to. I said, well, I appreciate your confidence, but I'm not sure I'm the guy you need to talk to. And so three times I said, no, I, I'm just, nah, I don't think that's it. And actually met him in Birmingham one time. I was speaking in Birmingham. They met me, and I just said, I just, sorry, guys. I, I don't want to mess up a good thing, man. Brother Jim's done a great job. Y'all got a great church, and I don't need to go in there and mess that up, you know? I, I, I think, I think you'll, you'll do fine with somebody else. And, you know, gentlemen, I thought that was it. And I just learned a lot through that process about my life and about my purpose. Because there were things I didn't know, God saw. And let me give you, let me give you, I played sports and so most of my analogies come out of that world, unfortunately. There were many times that I had to inbound the ball because they thought basketball-wise I was tall, I could see everything and whatever. But what I didn't know as I'm trying to throw the ball in, I got a guy right there on top of me. Everybody in the stands could see a guy wide open. But I couldn't see him. And I'm trying to throw the ball, and I can't sometimes have to call another timeout. So, you know. And the coach said, David, everybody can see what you can't see because you're in the game. And it's okay. And I learned something just in a very simple way. God sees what you can't see. And he sees the whole court. He sees your whole life. And he knows there are things coming that you don't know. You couldn't possibly know. So what I learned to do was the coach said, I'm going to give you a way. you got to trust me. And that's how he taught me. A simple principle in basketball that I believe works every day of my life with God. I get up, I don't know what God has, but I know God's got today. And I know God can see what I can't see. So here's what he did. I come down here. I moved in 2005. Now, if you were here in 2005, hopefully you didn't have to try to buy a house. It's kind of like it is now, or at least what I understand. We had to get we had to sign up and be chosen like a lottery to get to even look at a house. And God just worked it all out, found a place, bought that place. And God said, I want you here. I said, God, I just need to know why would you bring me here? All my family believed it was the Lord's will. We were all convinced it was the step God wanted us to take. But I couldn't understand it. And, and the Lord just spoke to me and said, you'll know. He said, I just want you to make the most of my name. Make my name famous to all the nations. 
So, fast forward. This 2020 was a rough year for all of us. 2020, our world fell apart. Pandemic begins, man, it's locked down. It's just craziness everywhere. On Mother's Day of 2020, I stood in our worship center, seats 5,000 people, and looked into a camera and preached a Mother's Day message. That's the weirdest thing. I mean, there's nobody there. And I'm trying to honor moms and make it feel like it's a, you know, wonderful day. It's all good. And, and man, I was struggling. And the next morning, got up and got on a bicycle. I work out, do several different things. One of them was riding my bike. I got on my bike, took off. Two miles into the ride, I'm kind of feeling a little bit weak, and I was going up a little hill, and I thought, well, when I get to the top, I'll stop. I didn't get to the top. Next thing I knew, I just felt myself. I'd never passed out in my life, so I didn't know what it felt like to pass out, and just I was out. And when I went out, I went to the left and evidently had my arm tucked up under my, uh, my rib cage because I broke five ribs. I hit the pavement. Uh, people ran to me. There were walkers. And, and then the people who lived at the house where I um, crashed, they came out said, you okay? I said, well, I, yeah, I think, but what happened? And they said, well, it looked like you passed out. It looked like you just went. And I said, oh, I must have had a, my blood sugar dropped or something, you know. And I called my wife. Hey, bring the truck. And I picked up the bike. And I remember when I did, I felt everything moving over here. I'm like, wow, that, that's, that can't be good. And so we get home, and we had a big event that day at church. It was meals and masks. We were handing out food. We were giving food away and masks and just trying to serve our community and help out. And I remember telling her, man, I've got to be there. I want to be there. So maybe we could go down to the emergency room, and I could get something for my ribs, and they'll let me go. So I, we go to Dr. Phillips' emergency room. And we go in, and I said, I failed, broke my ribs. Well, how come you passed out. I don't know. Probably blood sugar. I don't know. Well, we're going to find out. Well, let me tell you what happened. In a 20-minute period of time, literally, it felt like 20 minutes. I'm sure it took him longer. A doctor walked in. In one minute, he changed my life. He looked at me and said, okay, we found why you passed out. You have an aortic valve that is uh, bicuspid. You're supposed to have three. supposed to look like a Mercedes symbol. And said, you've got to buy a cuspid. I guess I was Nissan or Chevrolet or something. <laughs> and um, so he said, we got to replace it. But he said, unfortunately, your aorta has enlarged because of the pressure that that valve has created. And so you're going to have to have your aorta replaced at your heart. And he said, that means open heart surgery. Oh, and by the way, we found a brain tumor. Oh, okay. It's two for one, all right? <laughs> So now I'm facing a world I have never imagined, never been in a hospital overnight. The only surgery I had was my knee got scoped one time because of a, an injury. And let me tell you something, guys. As I look back, some of my best friends I left in Louisiana are doctors, surgeons. And every one of them had told me, you couldn't have had that surgery done here. You were in the right city. You were in the right place. And you know what's interesting? Doctor said, you were born with that valve. A lot of people have it. My heart surgeon, one of the best I've she is incredible. Her name is Kaylee Walker. She is awesome. And she said, yeah, you were born with that. And said, by the way, the brain tumor, 
according to the neurosurgeon, they said, you probably had it 30 years. So all of that, God knew. He knew from the day I was born, I had a valve that one day I was going to have to have something done. And as I look back over my life, I think about how many times that's happened. So what I want to tell you this morning is, we want to look at a verse in Jeremiah chapter 1 that basically says God knew you before he formed you. And he had a plan for your life before you ever were identified in your mother's womb. And what I believe about that is I don't believe in coincidences anymore. For example, I just show up at the hospital. They take me downtown to trauma. They said, we're going to go real fast. You're going to be in an ambulance. And I said, good. I've always wanted to go fast on I-4. It's always what I wanted. <laughs> I've dreamed what that was like to go fast. And we took off. We got there. And this girl walks in. She looked like my daughter. And she sat down. She said, I'm your heart surgeon. I want to talk to you about what I'm going to do. And I'm like, have you ever done one of these? I mean, you know what you... <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, she has. She became and still is one of our closest friends, spent, spends Thanksgivings with us. In fact, when she was at Thanksgiving the one time, the first time, uh, my wife brought out the little game Operation. You remember the kids game <laughs> where you have to... And we made her do it. She said, just don't put it online. Don't, do not video this and put it out there online. Um, but I would have... I mean, God knew that. God knew that. She came to me one day and she said, could I come have dinner with you and your wife? Absolutely. And she came over and all she wanted to talk about was our faith. Because we spent a lot of time talking about Jesus with her. And I watched how God all the way through all of that walked me through. So here's what I believe. He knew you were going to be here this morning. He knew that you were going to be in the position you were in right now. Whether you're employed, whether you're retired, whether you're out of work, whatever it is, he knew. And God has a plan and a purpose. And I want us to start with Jeremiah. I want us to look at Jeremiah to kind of get a sense of what he said. Because I don't think he's just talking to Jeremiah. I think he's talking to every one of us. This is Jeremiah's story. Chapter 1. You know, Jeremiah was at a very difficult time. This is a period of time when Israel was being overrun by the Babylonians. And Jerusalem was falling. That took Jerusalem, I mean, it took them a little while before they got everybody out of Jerusalem. But it started in about 605 B.C. And then to probably about 587, somewhere in there, they were deporting people. Jeremiah was the prophet who had to be there and watch this. I don't think he ever went to Babylon, but I think others went that he knew. Daniel, a young man taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. And by the way, some of the letters that you read in Jeremiah, they read them in Babylon, and you'll find them in the book of Daniel. It's amazing how God was preparing his people. God was just setting everything up. So Jeremiah had, he's called a weeping prophet. He had this role to play that was very unique. So do you. You say, but I'm not Jeremiah. That's the point. You don't have to be Jeremiah. Quit believing you have to be Jeremiah. Quit believing you have to be David or Pastor David or whoever. You see, the thing about God, he made you unique. He's never made two anything alike. And there's something very unique about you. And can I just tell you, something very needed about you. This community needs you. 
Central Florida needs you, needs all of us to be a part of what God is doing. So look at, uh, I mean, I'm just going to jump in chapter four, uh, chapter one, verse four, because the first part is just talking about kings and who was king and what was happening. But verse four, now the word of the Lord came to me before I formed you in the womb. I knew you and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. What amazes me about that verse is before he formed us, he knew us. And before we were born, he consecrated us. And he appointed us. Now, guys, I have always been and will always be until my dying day pro-life. And if you want to know why, read those verses again. I just believe God knows. And God has a purpose and a plan. He said, but what if I was conceived in sin? We were all conceived in sin. That's what David said. No, nobody had a perfect beginning. It's not about how you were conceived. It's about the one who gave you life, the one who created you. And so here he is. He says, all right, Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you. I had a plan for you. And then he says, before you were born, I consecrated you. The word consecrated is, is literally, it's the word from which we get sanctified. And it means to be set apart. Now, I, grew, I used to be a, a chaplain in a rodeo club, a high school rodeo team in, in Texas when I was in seminary. And I loved it because I grew up around all that. And so I'd go and have prayer with all the rodeo team and have devotionals and all that and then keep the bull riders a little extra and pray for them a little more <laughs> that the Lord would give them sense. And, um, and, and I remember we had some kids that uh, their parents owned cutting horses. And I, I had a real close friend that was, had done very well with cutting horses. He trained cutting horses, took them, sold them, took them to shows, won a lot of money. And I was just asking him one day, man, tell me about that. And he was telling me and describing how they train a cutting horse. Take a young, you know, maybe a, a colt. It can be, I mean, he can be really just very, very young. They take him to a, a, an arena and they tie a handkerchief or something white, and they run it around on a cord on that arena, and they watch his reaction. And if he watches that thing and starts moving with it, he says, that's the first sign we know that you might have a good cutting horse. So what does a cutting horse do? They do one thing. They take one calf out of the rest of them, and they cut them out of the herd because there's something, whatever's going to happen to that calf, they just need to get that one calf out, and then they need to go get another one out. Well, guess what? God took you out of the herd. The word for consecrate is literally the word. He got you and he called you out to himself. So he has something in mind for you. And he did that with every one of us. And when you think about that, you realize, wow, the circumstances of my life, everything, every place I've been, God just was working. Yes. Okay, so here's his plan. Here it says, Jeremiah was appointed to be a prophet to the nations. I don't think that applies to every one of us in the sense that we're supposed to be a prophet to the nations. Now, you could take that and say, well, we're supposed to speak the truth, yes. And in that sense, we are a prophet to the nations. But see, I think that's where the uniqueness comes in. That's where God does something that he knew exactly what he wanted Jeremiah to do. He knows what he wants you to do. So let me break it down this way. There's a general calling that every one of us have. 
And then there's a special calling. Okay? The general is this. Ephesians is the text. If you've got your Bible, go over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one will boast. Here's the general calling every one of us have. We're called to be His. We're called to walk with Him. We are called to be His children. That's the same for everyone. Hey, we all have the same calling. The pastors in the room, the ministers who serve on staff, they have the same calling you do. Our calling is to follow Jesus. And that doesn't change. And, and the calling is simple. I, I'm still following just like it was today. Now, the geography changes, but not the calling. Okay, so we have the same calling to him. Then look at verse 10. Verse 10 of Ephesians 2 says this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has already prepared something you need to be doing. Good works that he prepared beforehand. That's the uniqueness and the special place and the calling that he has on your life. And he knew ahead of time that that's what he wanted you to do. So if you're going to talk about purpose this year, if that's the theme, and I love that theme. I was here in 2005, the year I got here, we did 40 days of purpose across the city. Some of you might remember and might have been in one of those groups. Rick Warren is a personal friend of mine. In fact, one of the reasons I'm here in Orlando. I went to him and said, I've been asked to possibly go to Orlando to pastor there. Rick, I don't know. If what the Lord's saying, I don't want to go, but I really want to hear God. What do you think? And I'll never forget, Rick knelt down by me. We're sitting at a table, and he got up and he knelt down, and he looked at me and he said, you need to go because I think you can make the most of Jesus there. And he said, and by the way, we've got a, a big 40-day purpose campaign coming to Orlando, and I'd really like to have you there, and I need your help. So I think Rick, God used Rick to help me understand that. And Rick had built this way of helping us all understand we have a purpose. And the shape that you're going to be talking about and the book is one of his guys. I mean, that was, there, that was born there. And they, they developed that to try to say to people, look, God made you the way you, you, he made you because of something he's got in mind. So let's talk about that. First of all, number one, your position. Your position. What is it that is unique about where you are, where you work, uh, where you live? Your position in life. Some of you are retired. Some of you are at a season in life where you can give yourself to serve more or do other things. And then some of you are not at that season, but you're at a place. So I think position is important. And let me, let me give you an example. Whenever this book was written, the book of Jeremiah, it tells us the story of that exile. And do you remember a verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, that says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans not to harm you, not to hurt you, but to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. You read it? You know that verse? Okay. Man, we love that. Everybody hangs on to that verse. But do you know what he says before that? He tells those people who are being taken in exile, hey, I want you to go bless the city. I want you to go settle down in Babylon. Now, they're headed to Babylon. 
This is Jerusalem. These are Jews. They're not going to have a temple. They're not going to have anything. And they're going to be in a pagan place. But Jeremiah says, the Lord wants you to go, and he wants you to marry. He wants you to plant gardens. He wants you to settle down. He wants you to bless the city. Because in blessing and finding its welfare, you will find your own. Don't think about that. Our position in life, God already purposed. Why? So we could be a blessing. I just think this group and what David has done and the story of our men, how this all happened, that was his plan. Just how God works. So don't miss that where you are in this season of your life, positionally, God placed you there. Another great example is the book, one of my favorite books, the book of Esther. Who knows, but what we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. That girl was just a beautiful girl that was doing what she was doing, and all of a sudden she is next to the king, and she becomes a part in how God protects his people. But you've got to realize your position is ordained by God, and you just got to recognize, i got opportunity. Here's the second thing. I think your passion. What do you like to do? What do you enjoy doing? How many of you like to be in charge of two-year-olds in Sunday school? Raise your hand. That's not me. My wife, she'd be there all day. She loves it. Oh, my goodness. I, you lock me up in a room with kids that small? I'm out. It's just not my path. I, I don't. Do you know when your Heavenly Father created you, he put passion in you for things? He, he's the one that makes you like things and then not like things? Well, guess what? Why are you going to spend your time doing stuff what you don't like? God has given you a passion. Follow that passion. What is it you love to do? What is it you're good at doing? You could throw the word ability in there. By the way, that's in the word shape. You're going to see all this. He gave you ability. Use that ability. The worst thing I used to do as a pastor is I'd beg somebody to serve because we needed somebody in that class or we needed somebody on that committee and they didn't want to do it, but they said, okay, pastor, I'll do it for you. It's the worst mistake I could have made. Because the last thing in the world in this kingdom we need are people doing something that they don't want to be doing because they don't bring their best to it. When I was teaching seminary, worst thing ever happened to me one day after a lecture. It was on the history of the New Testament, and it was complicated, and I finally got through it. And I sat down on the desk, and I said, okay, y'all got any questions? And this guy in the back of the room raised his hand. He said, hey, how much of this stuff we got to know to get through this class? <laughs> and i am tell you, I went off. I looked at him and I said, if, we, if your goal is to see how little you can do and still get through seminary, please drop out today. Because the last thing the kingdom needs is somebody who's trying to do the, little, the smallest thing they can do and find the easiest way through. God didn't call us to do the easiest. He called us to do the greatest. I mean, I just, I went off. I was, but here's what I've learned. It happens all the time. You need to be where you enjoy being. And using the gifts that God has given you, your position, your passion is a part of your purpose. And so God has positioned us in this city at this time. And we're a part of something that he's doing. Don't miss it. Now, here comes the part that I know every one of you already read ahead of me. Go back to Jeremiah. We don't always accept the responsibility. We don't accept the purpose uh, easily. We kind of struggle with it. Look what he says. After all of this comes down, he says to God, uh, and actually the Lord reads his mind. 
Jeremiah says, ah, Lord God, I, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to him, don't say I'm only a youth for to all to whom I send you, you're going to go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of them, for I'm with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord put his hand and touched his mouth, or my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I put words in your mouth, and I've set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So let's talk about why you don't want to use the gifts God's given you and to find your purpose. What's going to be the hang-up? What, what would cause a guy to say, no, man, I don't want to do that? could be a lot of things. For Jeremiah, it was his age. He thought he was too young. Let me tell you my theory on age. If you're breathing, God's not through with you. God's not through with you. Listen, God, if he's through with you, believe me, he can take you out. He, can re- he knows where you are. He can take you. He's not through with you. You say, well, I'm older. I'm going to step aside and let the young ones. Please don't do that. There are stories in the Old Testament of how that didn't turn out well. We need the wisdom of those men like yourself, some of you that have been around a while. You've walked this journey. You know the pitfalls and the dangers. Please don't get out of the way. Stay in the middle of what God is doing and the purpose that God has for you. And so age is not a factor. Well, I can't speak, Jeremiah said. Really? You think that surprised God when he said that? Do you think when Moses said, well, Lord, I don't want to go to, to, to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt because, you know, I'm not, I really have trouble speaking. Do, does, do we surprise God? When we tell him, no, I can't do that, I don't have that ability, I don't have that, God, well, God says, of course you don't. But that's the point. Listen, there's a lie we've been told. And that is that God will never ask us to do something that we can't do. Or ever ask us to do something or call us to do something that, that, that we, that's beyond what we can do. Yes, he does. But he'll never call you to do something that he can't do through you. Guys, this is not up to us. This is him. What we need is to say, Lord, I got some issues, but you know that. But here I am. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And every one of you men, with all the inadequacies, with all of those issues, believe me, God wants to use you. In fact, go through the Old Testament and New Testament sometime and look who he used. I mean, yeah, Moses was a stutterer. We know that. David? King David? How about a murderer and an adulterer? He used him. Paul? Well, he used to kill Christians for a living, but God used him. You look at all the stories of how God used people. They weren't perfect. No, God's not looking for perfect people because he knows there are none. No, not one is righteous, not one. But he's looking for people who say, yeah, Lord, use me. And so Jeremiah says, God, I can't do it. And God said, how about I touch your mouth? How about I just touch you? And then you're going to speak to the nations, and I'm going to give you not only a platform, I'm going to give you authority, and they're going to listen. So you know what I pray happens in Iron Men? God touches you. 
And you're going to realize, you know what? I have a purpose. And I know that the position I'm in in life right now, God is wanting to use this. And so, God, I'm willing and I'll do whatever you want me to do. Because believe me, when God touches your mouth, you're good to go. Let's just ask him. Say, God, touch me. Give me whatever I need and use me. My mom uh, grew up with somebody. You probably heard of him. He was a, a truck driver. And he, uh, he drove his truck and he liked it, but he said, I, you know, he liked to kind of have a gig on the side. So he started picking up a guitar and singing a little bit. And he had a gig one night and he asked the owner of the company to come and hear him. And the owner of the company came and heard him and said, hey, you probably ought to stick to driving a truck, one of my trucks. <laughs> and so, okay, but he didn't. And if he had, we'd have never heard Elvis Presley. Now, that's just a simple example from the world of somebody that God had been given a gift. And somebody told him, you can't do it. Do you know how many stories there are like that all around us? Yeah. You're going to be the next one. You're going to have somebody tell you, you can't, you shouldn't. And you're going to say, yes, I can. Because God has touched my mouth. God has touched me. And God's going to use me. So whatever he wants, I'm ready to go. Guys, may you find that purpose. May you live that purpose. And most of all, may you glorify the one who created you with the purpose that he has for you. So I want to pray for you. Let's bow together. Father, I just got to ask you for every one of us. Lord, you have created us. You placed us here. We're here at the same time. Lord, you knew this morning we were going to be here. And I just, I just know that just like Jeremiah, you've got a plan. And Lord, it's going to happen. And I just want to be a part of it. And I want us to be a part of it. So God, help us to realize you have that purpose and plan. Lord, touch our mouth, touch our life. Give us whatever we need to do what you've called us to do. And I thank you, Father, for men who are willing to show up and to say, God, help us to be the men you called us and created us to be. So, Lord, we're looking forward to what you're going to do in these days, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great season, a purpose.